0: Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Randy Mitchell. Jesus said to his disciples, ye are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt and Light confronts the difficult and often controversial issues that affect today's culture. The only hope for this generation is for more people to follow Jesus Christ and for his followers to be salt and light in their community. Pastor Randy will discuss the Bible solutions to help us know what God says about the problems we face today. Salt and Light is a ministry of Temple Baptist Church in Statesville, North Carolina. Here's your host, Pastor Randy Mitchell. Good morning. Welcome to Salt and Light. Pastor Randy Mitchell here, joined by Brother Max Robinson. It's good to be here with you today. Appreciate you tuning in. Brother Max, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Been a good day so far.
0: All right, so far, but the day's still young. Hey, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Good, bad, in between. That's life,
1: right? But we still... Truly, have nothing to murmur or complain about. We have a God that is good beyond words.
0: We have a lot to be thankful for, folks. And uh, I'm thankful that I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm thankful that I have the privilege to be able to serve Him and live my life for Jesus Christ. You yeah. know, a lot of I, I could have made a lot of different choices of what to live for, and a lot of people do, whether it be money or relationships or fame or fortune or glory. And uh, when I was uh, 20 years old, I made a decision that I'm going to live my life for Jesus Christ. And I do not regret that decision. I don't feel like that I have totally kept up my end of the bargain 100% of the time. But I will say this, God has always 100% kept his end of the bargain and he has been so faithful.
1: Yeah. I I was encouraged the other night. I was listening to... uh, I'm part of a missions conference that's taking place in Texas, and they had a young preacher, he's a missionary, and uh, we're actually supporting now a missionary that's going to work with this particular man. And they're young men working and serving in the Navajo Indian Reservation. And uh, to hear a young man, Christian man, young family, kids, raising the kids, talking about how there's nothing else in this world he would do. He's in the high desert of Arizona, on a reservation, saying there's nothing in this world he would rather do than what he's doing serving God and how good God is, and it was like, what a blessing.
0: Amen. A lot of things for God don't make sense to the human rationale. But I tell you what, they make sense because God is real and he is faithful. So that's a blessing. Appreciate you sharing that. Uh, we've got a topic today that I believe is very relevant. It's very, it's in the news. We still hear about it. Uh, folks, I'm sure that all of you are aware of the fact that uh, not long ago, the Supreme Court of our land overturned Roe v. Wade. And that is something that, in all honesty, I'm still a little bit shocked by it, Brother Max. I did not expect it. Uh, the years went by where we would, uh, we would picket and protest against abortion. We would contact all of our representatives and senators and any opportunity that we had, even to join in with some different ministries that we don't even agree with Bible doctrine, but we could find a common ground to stand up against the killing of the unborn uh, babies and uh, for years and years i thought you know what we're never going to win this one but praise the lord thankfully we had a previous president that put some conservative um, wise judges in on the supreme court and fortunately that roe versus wade was overturned that doesn't mean that abortion is outlawed in our country abortions are still taking place babies are still uh, you know unborn babies are still being taken their lives And so it's still going on, so it's still an issue. We just recently had a, um, uh, just yesterday, and of course some people are listening on Tuesday morning, we're pre-recording this on a Thursday the previous week, but just yesterday, uh, Mike Johnson, representative from Louisiana, was elected as the Speaker of the House. I'm thankful, Brother Max, they finally got somebody in there. It was getting a little bit ridiculous. But I'm thankful for that. But uh, when I was looking at some of the news outlets that I look at, I'm not a big newsy, but uh, the stuff that I did see, the number one thing that he was already being attacked for is his previous stand against abortion. I don't know much about this man, but I already like him. if If that's what they're attacking him for, then there's at least something good about this guy. And so we have some hope that maybe a guy that will be on the right side of the equation uh, has some power and authority and can actually uh, get some things done that need to be done in our country.
1: I agree, and I know we, as Christians, and you being a pastor, and me serving you with the, the church, we we can't make our politics our religion. But there, you know, our faith in biblical, Biblical values and biblical values as a nation that are lived by people will affect politics. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. It's 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 going to happen, and it has in the history of these con- of this country. And it is sad to see that even you know, in conservative politics, there is attacks over this issue. There's there's infighting over this issue mm-hmm. of abortion, and it's because. It's our political view and our political stance and whether or not it's for votes or whatever is immaterial, but it's denying the biblical view. Right,
0: right. And what needs to be focused on is the moral aspect. Is it Absolutely. right or is it wrong? Right. doesn't matter whether it's Republican or Democrat. Now, it is sad that by party lines, I mean, you can almost go right down the line. There are very few Democrat senators or representatives, anyone in leadership, even on a local level, Democrat Party members who are uh, against abortion. Uh, Typically speaking, if a politician is against abortion, you can almost just assume that they're a Republican. I think that's sad because, you know, the moral issue of it is it's not political. Uh, There are evidences in the Bible, and you said something about separating politics from religion, and so forth, and a lot of people misunderstand this concept of the separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. That does not mean the separation of God from government. Exactly. Our government as a nation was always intended to be connected to God and the Bible. Separation of church and state simply means that our nation, the state, will not recognize Uh, any church any religion as the official church of the state exactly and that's the way that politics were prior to the founding of this nation that's the way that it was in uh england before many of the settlers came over to the new colony even early on before our bill of rights and constitution there was still a connection between church and government many of the colonies you had you had to be a member of that community church, which was basically a Church of England uh, church, before you could vote for the mayor or or city council and so forth, it was all connected as part of the community. And so, uh, thankfully, our founding fathers, they saw through that and through the influence of some men, such as... um, um, um bradford and some baptist influences they recognize that we need to take this to the next level and make sure that we don't end up the same way as we were when we fled from europe Exactly. and so that doesn't mean that god is not supposed to have influence over government And so uh, we're going to talk after the break about what the Bible says about the abortion issue because the Bible is clear on this. And uh, we need to quit listening to the media and our Hollywood stars and what have you. It doesn't matter who says what. What matters is what God says. And what God says comes from his word, the Bible. And we're going to be talking about that right after the break and so uh, hang tight we're going to be showing you what the bible has to say and so um, we'll see you after the break The Bible says in the book of Psalm 127, verse number 3, it says, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Obviously from the word of God. Children are a blessing that come from God, and we're talking about the abortion issue today. It is in the news almost every day. Uh, There are uh, definitely there is a division in our nation among this issue. I saw a billboard, Brother Max, in uh, Boone, North Carolina, here a couple months ago, and it literally talked about how that abortion should be a health care right. And I thought about that, and, you know, there was a time in the Bible Belt in this area where if somebody put a bull billboard up, at least, and I don't remember exactly how it read, but I remember seeing that when I was a preacher boy in Asheville back in the early and mid-80s, uh, it, it was clear to me that the Christian community would have been in an uproar over that billboard. And there would probably been some zealous Christians that would have uh, found uh, a new home for several cans of spray paint um, just to because they just wouldn't put up with it. Right. And it, it's put up with now, and uh, things have changed drastically. If it wasn't for the Supreme Court, and really a, a, probably a minority of leaders that had some authority, we'd still be under Roe versus Wade, as we were for most of my life. Uh, that got passed back in the 70s, and so most of my life, abortion has been a right in this country and that is a travesty i believe that as a nation that we have suffered we have no idea how much we have suffered because of that decision because god makes it clear when when blood defiles a land uh, there are serious results and some of the heartache and suffering and the dysfunction that we are dealing with in our country i don't know that we can pin it all on the, uh, the murdering of unborn lives, but certainly I think that there's a huge connection there. And so we need to get back to what the Word of God says, and many listeners, this is a conservative talk radio sh- uh, station, and so many of the listeners here are probably, we're preaching to the choir, but what happens over time is we just assume that we know about this issue, we want to reinforce this issue with Bible truth. And so, obviously, the Bible talks about the lives of the unborn. And so, let's go into some Bible, some scripture proof here. Uh, Genesis 9, uh, verse number 4, Brother Max, it says that uh, the life of the flesh is uh, is in the blood. It says, but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, ye shall not eat. Uh, That is a command that God made. This was before the law but he makes it clear that the blood is the life of the flesh. We know from science. A lot of people, they choose science over the Bible. Okay, that's fine. Science says that there is is blood in a fetus, human life, and so even though that that life cannot sustain itself inside the womb, let's face it, even a newborn child can't sustain his own life without the care of a parent. And so, you know, you can't just strain at that gnat and swallow that camel and, and say that, well, if it's unborn, then it's part of the, yeah, it's in the woman's body. But that doesn't mean that it's not a life in and of itself.
1: Uh, exactly. And as, as advancements are made in medical research and study, it is amazing that how much more information comes to light in the very days and weeks of the development of that baby, showing there's life and the type of life and feeling and everything else. And it's, it's, it's undeniable that conception is life. Mm-hmm. And that's where it begins. And that's where it begins in God's eyes in Scripture as you go through it. it, it It's clear.
0: Well, and then we have some examples in the scripture, I think, about John the Baptist and the baby Jesus. Even, you know, we're getting ready. We're just a few months away from the Christmas season. And so most people are familiar. They've been to Sunday school or they've seen Christmas plays where they've they've heard these portions of scripture. Read, and it says in Luke's Gospel, chapter number 1, about uh, John the Baptist, it says, He shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Mm -hmm. So John the Baptist, when he was a baby in, in the womb of Elizabeth, the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And then an interesting thing, just uh, a handful of verses later in verse 41, it says it came to pass when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary. Uh, Mary is just newly pregnant here with the baby Jesus. And so when she hears the voice of Mary, it says the babe, that's John the Baptist, leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. So that life form of Jesus Christ, the the life form, of john the baptist in the womb of his mother was aware of the presence of the baby jesus still in the womb of mary so this is a prime example that these are lives you 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 know you're not gonna if something belongs to another person's body i'll give you an example my my right arm belongs to my body all right i have the right to do what i want with my right arm my right arm is not going to be filled with the holy ghost all right because it's not a life in and of itself but that baby in the womb of the mother is a life in itself. And once, once again, we've seen it in the Word of God. We've seen an example here. Plus, there are other examples as well.
1: There, there are. I want to read this verse. I know it's a verse you have as well, but I think it fits well with what you're already uh, trying to—not trying. You're doing a good job expressing. Verse, verse 5 of Jeremiah chapter 1, it says, Before... I formed thee in the belly. This is very specific. This is very specific scripture. How conception, I mean, this is speaking of conception, that even before that, it says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. I mean, this is the plan of God for life and with people. He knows who he's creating and when. And so, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. It, before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I the, uh, ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Very specific of what God is saying about life, its foundation, and even God's plan. God knows all things, right? He's, he knows everything past, present, and future. He, he is the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. He was that sacrifice for all mankind. He knows who he's creating and when and to whom. I mean, God knew who my parents were going to be. I am. David speaks of that. How wonderful are the thoughts of God toward me, right? And that is even from prior to birth, God's thoughts and cares for mankind in his plan, conception on it is is an amazing truth.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then you know, one of the the really this is a very clear um, Bible proof text here, and it comes from the psalmist David in Psalm one thirty nine, and verse number thirteen. He says, "For Thou hast possessed my reins." That's talking about his heart and you know the will, and he says to God that he has possessed his reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Listen to this, folks. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them he's talking about when he was in his mother's womb and he was not yet fully developed and he's saying that god knew me and so obviously god looks down at that unborn life in the womb it's not a fetus it's a it's a it's a person it's a baby still being formed absolutely we understand that but it is still a baby you go back to the old testament and if somebody were to take the life of a mother and a child, God would hold them accountable for two, for two murders. I mean, it was clear with that. And so from God's perspective, and folks, when it's all said and done, what God thinks about the subject of abortion is what's going to matter more than our president or vice president or speaker of the house or any leader, any, any Supreme Court justice. When it's all said and done, The only thing that's going to matter is, what does God think about abortion? And so I believe that it's been a horrible thing, taking the lives. They talk about rights, and like a mother should have the right to do what she wants. What I like to interject here is, what about the rights of the unborn? Who's protecting their rights? If I understand the whole purpose of rights in our nation, the Bill of Rights and so forth, It is never right to exercise my rights if it ends up violating your rights. That's the whole nature of freedom. And so with freedom comes responsibility. And so what about the rights of the unborn who cannot protect their own rights? And so I can understand the mentality certain scenarios, why a mother would not want uh, uh, to bring a child into this world. Uh, Maybe they didn't want the child. And I I, I have compassion for mothers that uh, they're going to have to go through some uh, discomfort, some suffering in order to bring a child into the world. And I can understand the rationale that I don't want to go through that if I don't want this child. But the fact of the matter is, is that a decision was made and Listen, they talk about exceptions for rape and incest. I I understand that. Uh, I I don't even know what to think about that. I don't even, in all honesty, I don't even want to go there. I hope I never have anyone close to me that has to be faced with that decision. The health of the mother. I understand that all creates awkward situations. But my take is to let's leave that in God's hands. You know, medical... Uh, just because we have medical ability to do certain things doesn't mean that it ought to be done. And so prior to uh, all of the medical technology, people just had to do what they had to do and let God take care of the rest. And I think that we would be better off to live in that category rather than take matters into man's hands and man's reasoning. But in spite of all of that, the, the fact of the matter is, is those exceptions for rape and incest are, are not even a full 1% of all the abortions that take place. The reality of it is, well over 90% of every abortion is just somebody who made a moral mistake they had the consequences of it and they just want to wipe away those consequences most of it is just a form of birth control that i don't want this baby and i want to get rid of it and it's all selfish and immoral doesn't even have justification by it that's the majority and that's why this is such an evil we'll talk more about it after the break We're talking about the controversial topic of abortion today we've uh, taken a look brother max at some bible verses proving from god's perspective that an unborn child is viewed as a life um, doesn't matter what uh, anyone says the word of god trumps what any man's opinion is there are a lot of different categories within this topic that cause some controversy such as rape and incest the health of the mother and so forth and you know some of those things are very difficult decisions to make and uh, because we have compassion on the minority and it is a minority out there that uh, that fall in that category we have compassion and I don't know the answers to all of that uh, but I would always lean toward just trusting god's word and doing what's right and, and, uh, and let the chips fall where they may. If I had to choose between uh, doing the unthinkable and standing before God and giving account that I, that I murdered an unborn life, I'm going to take that accountability pretty seriously. And so I, I do have compassion for people that do find themselves in that situation. But the fact of the matter is what we're dealing with, Brother Max, is a sign of the time. Uh, the Bible says clearly that in the last days, perilous times shall come. In our lifetime, we have seen such a degeneration of morality, mentality, uh, mm-hmm. rejecting God. And it says in Second Timothy chapter 3, a description of these perilous times, it says that men will be without natural affection. And that natural affection, you know, if you see it natural, you see that uh, a mother... With child, there is something naturally affection, affectionate about that. Uh, it's a loving thing. Even if someone got pregnant and it wasn't something that they planned or expected, uh, within a short period of time, that mother naturally will start thinking about that life in, in their womb, and there's a natural affection toward that. No one can even explain the bond between mama and her babies. It's just a very natural affection that God. Put in, and we're seeing a lack of that in uh, in today's culture, and it is certainly a sign of the perilous times that we live in. And so, uh, I want to I want to wrap up this segment on this topic. And you know, if if our understanding of the Bible is correct, Brother Max, and that God looks at that unborn baby as a life, and these unborn babies are being aborted, or you'd have to say murdered, their lives are being taken away from them, planned, that's that's the definition of a murder, then if that's true, if we're, our understanding is true, uh, we're in trouble yeah. as a nation. And there's a lot of people out there that are in trouble with God, regardless of how many people are on their side. And so there's an accountability factor here.
1: There is. And I, I think some of the... Uh, real glaring evidence that you can see in that is that often as you talked about the majority the majority of those are just making a decision whether it's they're caught in a situation and they're like well I'm just going to make this decision to end this life because it's not convenient it's not the right circumstances it's not everything fitting into their life at this moment so we're going to make this decision and they'll refer to it not as a baby but it's a fetus I'm going to terminate this fetus. Mm -hmm. Now when those same person and individuals, the circumstances in their life are different, it's not a fetus, it's a baby and it's a life. Mm -hmm. And they're doing everything they can to nurture their life. Mm -hmm. They might even already have given that life a name and they're doing all these things. There's the hypocrisy and even the evidence that in our heart, as you said, natural affection we know it's a baby. We know it's a life, and it is within humans to want to nurture and sustain that life. And we really need to be thinking about that. It's a, it, and God sees it as that child, mm-hmm. as a soul, as a life.
0: Yeah, and this natural affection that you know there are certain things that are just inherent in human nature and we can observe them consistently, it's, that would be a scientific fact. Natural affection is one of those. You don't have to teach a little girl to nurture baby dolls. It's just part of their nature. And so I'm not saying that that's, you know, 100% unanimous for every little girl. I understand that. But as a general rule, it's an observable fact. Mm-hmm. And with that, what we need to understand is that natural affection, it doesn't matter how much we try to reprogram our conscience and to um, to believe otherwise, you can't overcome that natural affection. And that's the reason why that many people and... Uh, studies have proven this out Uh, ladies who have uh, had an abortion they suffer great psychological effect and it's not because of being rejected or condemned by other people in many cases no one but them and the doctor someone at the clinic no one even knows that they had that abortion and yet they carry the guilt and the burden And it's not because some independent Baptist preacher was Bible thumping and told them that it was wicked and wrong and murder. It's just natural, that guilt and that remorse and that psychological effect. And so there is the natural result of that that is undeniable. And so perhaps, Brother Max, there would be some people that are listening that are in that that category. Or maybe they have a loved one that is in that category. Uh, Here's what I'd like to say. There is hope, and that no matter what a person has done, there is forgiveness that can be found. There is healing that can be found in Jesus Christ. But there is a prerequisite that has to happen, and that is repentance. Repentance means an acknowledgement before God that, you know what, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done this. It's not a justification. It's not, oh, I made a little mistake here, and I'm sorry. You know, we were talking about it just recently, how that uh, young people are real quick to say, I'm sorry, when they're not sorry. That's not in their heart. It's not in their heart. They just don't want to be in trouble. They just want their problem fixed, but they're not genuinely sorry. Repentance before God is acknowledging that, hey, I sinned. I was wrong. And I don't ever want to do that again. And I'm against it. It's it's changing sides. That's what repentance is all about. Someone who has had an abortion, if they ever got right with God, they would be the biggest proponent of pro-life. Because they know the effects. They know the, the hurt and the sorrow and the heartache that goes along with it. But I want to make sure that everyone knows, regardless of whether it's the sin of abortion or whatever sin it is, we need to know that the Word of God says this clearly. 1 John 1, verse number seven says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. Just a few verses later, it says 1 John 1, 9, this is a absolute memory verse for every born again believer. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That doesn't matter. You know, we may bear guilt. We may bear shame. We may have feelings that may never completely be overcome from our past. But we can get through it and we can survive and thrive by putting into practice the word of God and believing it by faith. I may not always feel cleansed of my sin, but if I have repented and confessed it before the Lord, I'm going to take God at his word. God says he's faithful and just to forgive me and that he will cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And so, listeners, if you're out there and you have done the unthinkable thing and you have taken the life of a baby in the past, or if you're contemplating it, you need to understand clearly what the Word of God says, and you need to change your mind on this because you, you will live with that regret. And even if you try to compartmentalize your conscience— Uh, It'll still eat away at you. And even if you figure out how to not feel guilty over that, you will stand before God one day and give an account, and you will certainly regret it then. But there is hope, and that hope is in Jesus Christ. We are not saying this to condemn you. We're saying this to help you and to, to try to get you on the right track so you don't have to suffer psychologically or uh, spiritually in your conscience
1: right there definitely there's hope in Jesus Christ and there is help and there are people out there that if some lady is in a situation right now that they need help there there are organizations that are even willing to pay for the medical expense of them having the baby and helping them find a home or helping them to make that decision to Mother and care for that child on their own. Mm-hmm. There, there is help. You Don't have to go alone.
0: That is right. Nine months and, and nine months of discomfort and even the pain of child birth and childbearing, all of that discomfort is a whole lot easier than a lifetime of psychological trauma. You're a whole lot better off to just have that baby, whether it was an accident, a mistake, an unwanted pregnancy, regardless of your circumstances, your your life is going to be so much better off in the long run if you'll just tough it out for now. I, I know there's probably ladies out there. It's easy for you to say as a guy. I understand that, folks. I, I'm, I'm not without compassion. Listen, I was born a man. I can't help it. I'm never going to experience this. But at the same token, sometimes the person that knows what's right, that's not emotionally involved, is the person that can help you the most. Because sometimes our emotions uh, can cloud our principles. And Hmm. so there is hope.
1: I I, I wanna add to that, and I know we're men and we can't understand, but there are many women out there that do. My mother-in-law is one of them. And she found herself in that situation, made the decision to have my wife. And I'm just saying I am so thankful, and yeah. my children are thankful. It's, it's worth going down that road to do it God's way. It, it truly can work out wonderfully. Yeah, amen. You know,
0: who knows? There's, there's probably, when we find out what God would have done. Uh, Who knows uh, what one of these aborted babies in the past could have grown up and could have solved some of the problems that we have in this world. And God knows all that. And, you know, when we're all whining and complaining to God about all the problems and suffering that we're having to go through and God's, you know, God can can give us that flashback of what could have been, like what Hollywood always does, and shown us that, hey, I had somebody in mind to do that, and their life was ended. And this is just reality that we have to face. And so, uh, as we close up this topic, we're gonna change to our final segment. We're gonna talk about something different, but it says, David in the Psalm, Psalm 106, verse 38, he's talking about the heathen, the pagan religions and many of them would sacrifice their children to their gods. And he said, they shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan. And he says, the land was polluted with blood. When a land is polluted with blood, God looks at that land as defiled. And so God just keeps his distance, just like he doesn't want to get around that filth. And so God has withdrawn We are in our final segment here on Salt and Light today, and we once again appreciate you being with us. Uh, The previous three segments, Brother Max Robinson and I, we've been talking about the controversial topic of abortion. Perhaps you missed out on that. We would encourage you to uh, check out... uh, go to WSIC's website, and you can uh, get the audio version of um, the first three segments of this. You can also go on their uh, Facebook, and you can watch this live stream. So if you missed out on the previous three segments, we encourage you to uh, to check it out and hear what the Bible has to say about this very controversial subject. Uh, as we wrap up our broadcast today, Brother Max, we want to shift gears and uh, talk about something that I believe is extremely important and uh, people need to know and understand what the Bible says about this as well and that is the priority and the importance of church uh... you know we're we're pastors, we're in the ministry, church is part of our life, church is part of our occupation, our vocation, that's what we do I mean it sounds a little bit uh, carnal but that's what we do for a living we, we minister, we administrate in things of the church, we preach, we t- teach, we minister, we do all those things that go along with church but we're living in a day and age where uh, it seems like people are not understanding what God has to say about church and church has morphed into something that is very social Uh, so many people today they they look at church as something that's just for their children or it's maybe tradition its family is sentimental and and all these different things but Sadly, the average person that does attend church, and, and that's getting fewer and fewer, more and more people are going away from church, not attending church, uh, more so than ever in our nation, right here and right now. Right.
1: Even though we've seen the advancement or advent of mega churches, mm-hmm. overall church attendance is on a decline.
0: That is right. There are mega churches that they're busting out the seams and they're growing leaps and bounds, but if you really examine, and analyze what the megachurch is doing in comparison to the scripture, you will find that there is a huge deficiency there, a disconnect, almost an anti-Bible, maybe not in what's being said, but what is being done. I mean, I've seen things uh, posted on Facebook from different churches and ministries, even locally here, of pastors just acting like a bunch of entertaining fools and dressing up like worldly entertainers and, 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 and trying to entertain their, uh, their senior citizens at one of their events. And the senior citizens are just you know laughing and clapping and just loving it. And it's just a big dancing show in front of them. It's a joke. It's a travesty and it breaks my heart. Yeah, it, it gets me a little bit angry Not at them, but at the mentality of what we see, church, that it has become. Now, the Word of God says clearly, folks, clearly. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25, it says, "...not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching." That means we we look around, we see what's going on in Israel, we see what's going on, just the abortion issue that we've talked about today. All the different problems that are going on in America. We know from a Bible standpoint that we are in the last days. And that Jesus Christ, he's coming soon, folks. We see it all around us. The signs of the times are everywhere. And yet the average Christian believes that, but they quit going to church as much. They cancel their Sunday evening service. The Word of God says that as the day is approaching, we're going to need to go to church more. And yet the average person thinks that we don't need church as much as we used to. Right. What, what do we make of that, Brother Max?
1: Well, it, we know in Second Thessalonians 2, 3, it talks about a falling away in reference to the fact that the time of the Lord's return is evidently getting very close it is and so it tells us that the faithful the those that uh, should be going and doing that there's this time of falling away which is heartbreaking mm-hmm. and for a father of five kids and now eight grandkids i don't want to see that for my grandkids i'm thankful that Three of my kids are, are grown, and they are serving the Lord, and they are faithful in church, and they're trying to do that with their kids. I have two that we're still raising. They're in their teens and close, and, and we, we talk to them. It's They are going to have to make this decision. And I, I don't want to see that statistic of them falling away. And then I look at even the part you're saying, knowing that Christ is coming, Hebrews 10.25 is, is for real, Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves, right? And so much the more as we see the day approaching. Well, let's look at the early church. The early church believed because Christ even told them He's coming again. The early church expected Christ's return in their lifetime. In those days, that's right. Well, what did they do? They went to church every day. Yeah, every day. Mm -hmm. Now I'm saying, do we need to have daily church services? I'm not saying it, but we don't need to be cutting back. That is right. We need, we need to keep going. That is we right. We need to be faithful in serving. We need to be going forward. You know, and I think
0: that part of the problem is not just the, the people, but part of the problem is the church, because uh, not every church is the same. We're living, you know, the early Christians, they didn't have all the options that we have. And what's happened is we have so many options of churches, so many different denominations. And listen, they're not all the same, folks. Just because it says church doesn't mean that God's in it, all right? You, what you need and what we all need is a Bible-believing, Bible preaching, Bible teaching church where we are giving, we're getting the Word of God. The early Christian, they would assemble together because that was their lifeline. That was their lifeline spiritually. Just to assemble and be called a Christian or be part of the church during Bible days. This was, they weren't considered popular. And so church was not social it was to exhort one another, to encourage one another to stay faithful to God, to learn Bible doctrine, to learn how we're supposed to live, to go out and evangelize the lost people around. They were living among a bunch of pagans that had other religious beliefs, false gods and idols and all of that. And so we in America, we have Christian churches on every corner. And what hap- what's happened is Christianity and church has morphed into something that's become just a religious social club. And so, you know, we have children's ministries at Temple Baptist, and we try to make sure that we keep the kids' attention, and we try to make it a little bit entertaining, and we have some fun with it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think what's happened is that if we go too far with that, then kids grow up thinking that if church is no longer fun, then I shouldn't even go. It needs to be about God. It needs to be about Jesus Christ. And, you know, having some fun, having some fellowship, having some social benefit, if we can understand that this is just a benefit, it's not the substance. The substance is we're coming to meet with God, to hear from his word, from his man, how I'm supposed to live my life. That's what church is all about. And sadly, I would have to say upwards of 90% of the churches around us are nothing like that, Brother Max. Right, And,
1: you know, being involved in our particular ministries and children's ministers at church, yes, we, we try to make it where there's some excitement and some fun, but the, that's not the priority, it's not the emphasis. And we use some things, one, most importantly, as it says in Psalms, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We're trying to get the Word of God hid into the hearts of the kids where they know and memorize, because it is important. Mm-hmm. It's God's Word. It, it is a changer of so many things. You, you've testified, I testified this. So many scriptures that we learned as young people, as we get older and our mind starts to slip, those are the scriptures we remember. Mm-hmm. And they minister to us, and they speak to us, and they help guide our life and the way we live.
0: Hmm. and i know you you and i share the same testimony we grew up for the most part in in a home where our parents it, there was no question whether we're going to church on sunday morning sunday school sunday night wednesday night uh, i i didn't when i was real young my family wasn't that way but from the time i was seven or eight years old mom and dad got right with the lord they got into church and for the rest of my life even when I didn't like going to church, I knew it. there was no option here. We go to church. And so you, some parents would say, well, I don't want my child to grow up and hate church and then turn away from church and God. That exists, all right? There's a small percentage of people that grow up and they, they, they had to go to church, their parents made them to chur- go to church, and they resent it. But if you look at the statistics from the other side of that equation, I guarantee you upwards of 90% of people that attend church faithfully today, they grew up in a home where their parents faithfully attended church. And so th- there's an overwhelming positive side to that equation. And so uh, just the numbers itself would say, hey, if I, there's any chance of my kids valuing church, they need to see my example that I value church as well. Any last thoughts before uh, we're about out of time?
1: The last thought is you can't argue the importance that Jesus Christ himself put on the church and local church in whom he sent out to establish this that he might have the preeminence, Christ being exalted, glorified daily, weekly, in these local services and local churches.
0: Yeah. Well, the Apostle Paul said that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. That's how important it is. So we want to encourage you, make church important. Find a Bible, believe in church, and get involved. God will bless you for it. We appreciate you taking the time to join us at Salt and Light. It is our desire that you experience the joy of following Jesus Christ. He loves you, and He died on the cross for your sins. He will give you hope, peace, and eternal life if you will repent of your sins and trust Him as your Savior. You may see yourself as a good person, but you will never be good enough to deserve heaven. You may see yourself as bad, but you can never be too bad for Jesus to forgive you. You can call upon Him to save you this very moment. If you are a born-again Christian, we want to encourage you to obey Christ's command and be salt and light to those around you. We encourage you to find a Bible-believing church that does not compromise or water down the Bible. Get involved serving the Lord. If you have a Bible question or a particular issue you would like us to discuss on Salt and Light, visit our website at templebaptistnc.com. Click on the Salt and Light link. Once again, that's templebaptistnc.com. May the Lord bless you. We hope you'll join us again next week.